praise service was number 123. Come now. Come now is the time to worship.
dedicate the praise song to We Believe, Robin, for faithfulness of representing all of it at a recent conference. We Believe, on an insert, please.
heard the president recently remark it's also busy killing Americans and babies. Nashville, we can go our friends, gender activists killed six Americans, including three children in cold blood. Is there outrage? Yes, but not what logical thought would suggest. The left is far more concerned about anti-trans rhetoric, rhetoric rather than six Americans murdered in Nashville. Those by way of television and radio and Facebook have shared with me their outrage. This Washington Post headline says it all, that the right exploits Nashville shooting to escape anti-trans rhetoric. The transgender movement came to its own only a few years ago. How could America have won two world wars and become the greatest, most prosperous, and freest country in the world without today's proper pronouns? Transgender serving in the military Securing our nuclear coals when they're not stealing our, land, our luggage or drag queens, story hours, grooming our young children. In last week's news was another transgender terrorist was arrested in Colorado Springs for planning a school shooting and bombing. This is becoming a new norm, and even in Nashville, we don't want to release the mandate, which, which inevitably is a mandate against Christianity. Yet the media and the health authorities are surprisingly incurious about the toxic stew of hormones and mental health medications that these shooters may have taken. Instead, health authorities are obsessed with ivermectin, toxins, and FDA-approved safe drugs that have decades of use, calling them horse paste and cascading any physician daring to prescribe them for their COVID patients. In the state Supreme Court, increased boys can participate in girls' sports. Washington State allows children as young as 13 years to undergo surgical castration without parental consent. Yet, parental consent is needed to get a tattoo for children under 18. Then the feminist, Camille Pegiali, believes androgyny becomes prevalent as a civilization starting to unravel. You find it again and again and again in history and among those of us who are historians. And here we are with Western world, America leading the way, promoting the unraveling of Western civilization. What, what fills the void? Gender-affirming care will destroy thousands of children with future virility and the inability to have an orgasm in a lifetime of mental health and physical issues. This is systematic child abuse. Should we panic over this danger and damage to our next generation? And lastly, is the rule of law. What kind of country weaponizes its judicial system to indict and arrest the leading opponent of the political party in power? What other countries do this? We, we send in Jimmy Carter and organize a color revolution to th throw out the corrupt and tyrannical government. In America, the the ruling class makes excuses and the opposing party says little. A rogue DA accuses the former president of covering up non-existence crimes and the media claps like seals and upholding democracy while Republicans mutter about letting the process play out. Republicans bring a, a Nerf gun to a real gunfight and wonder why they lose. An FCA commissioner asserted about Trump's supposed crimes. It's not a campaign finance violation. It's not reporting a violation of anything. It's a banana republic. Those in charge define crimes. And it's situational, applying only to Trump, not Clinton or Biden. Riots in the summer of 2020 were cheered on. Some Republicans like Romney marched in solidarity with the rioters. There were few arrests or persecuted prosecutions, even as cities and, and businesses were destroyed yet months, and yet most peaceful protesters at the United States Capitol, peaceful on January 6th with no death, a stroke or heart attack the next day, were incarcerated by the hundreds for long periods without due process. Protests outside an abortion clinic and, and get arrested. Protests outside the homes of and threatening use Supreme Court justice, and, and they're told to stand down. One president, 
while the senator and vice president properly fails to store classified documents, giving another president, who was a president, full declassification authority. Lord, remove the blinders from our eyes and help us to see that righteousness is always needed and sin is a reproach. These things and others, Lord, we ask for clarification in, in Scripture as we turn to John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. We ask for clarification. Move, remove those hindrances from our eyes. We can see the great removal of Revelation chapter 3, lukewarmness, the grayness, the darkness in times. It's not necessarily the political issues that we differ on. It's between the lightness and the darkness and the righteousness and unrighteousness. Teach us to pray, O Lord, as you taught your followers to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you're viewing by way of television, or listening by way of radio, or YouTube, or Facebook, or other means, you want to join along with us in reading a scripture according to John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31, please. Jesus and Thomas, and you probably put your name in there. You say Jesus and Randy, and Jesus are your name. We're representative of many Thomases. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told Thomas, We have seen the Lord. Say it with me. We have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in the side, I will not believe. A week passed, a week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas, Thomas was with them. And although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace, peace be with you. Say it with me, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and, and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. In closing, the purpose of this book. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life. In Jesus' name, may God bless the reading and hearing of Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning. You know, Thomas was not with them when Jesus appeared to the others in the private meeting room. We are not told why. When the other disciples told him of his post-resurrection appearance, he was skeptical. That's when he retorted the famous line, Unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, place my finger in the mark of the nails, place my hand in his side, I will not believe. He was unknowingly prophetic, even in his cynicism. Our text has eight days later. In today's measurement, that does mean one week. Thomas was now present with the others in the room when Jesus appears and simply says, Peace be with you. But knowing his thoughts, Jesus turns and says, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Not be faithless, but believing. Thomas, now convinced, replied, My Lord and my God. Jesus replied to his new found faith, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. In other words, Bless souls with faith. Thomas was, of course, the daughter of Christ either, but we can see in John 11, 16, he was a very loyal daughter. And it says there that he was willing to put, go with Jesus and die with him. Ironically, and despite his doubt, he was present even when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Still did not believe. Again, 
on cases where loving families were torn apart during the COVID situation. They didn't want to assemble even remotely by means at a funeral. There's still deep wounds. Yet at such a crisis in lives of women, it seems highly improbable that Thomas had any good reason for not some way he was to blame. One thing at any rate is, is very clear and, and very plain. By being absent, by being absent, he was kept in suspense and he was kept in unbelief a whole, whole week. If you ever waited for a prognosis from a doctor for over a week, you realize how seven 24-hour days a long week is. While all around Thomas, they were rejoicing. All of his peers, they were rejoicing in the risen Lord. It's difficult to suppose that this would have been the case if there had not been a fall somewhere. It's hard to avoid the suspicion that Thomas was absent. He was absent when he might have been present. During my 20-some years in the military, as attendance gathered, security briefings, I can safely say I was always present. We shall all do well to remember the charge of the Apostle St. Paul. St. Paul said, Forsake not the assembly of yourselves together, as the manner of sums are. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. When others may use an excuse, may it never be found that you use an excuse for not coming to church. Never be absent from God's house on Sundays without good reason. Never to miss the Lord's Supper when administered by one's own congregation. Never to be, let your place be empty when the means of grace are going on. This is one way to be a growing and a prosperous Christian. And we all gather, you know, because we want to be a growing, we want to be a prosperous Christian. In the very sermon, and I've seen this true in so many cases, people will ask me to preach on a certain subject, and I'll preach on it, and it's that Sunday that they're gone. The very sermon that was needlessly missed may contain a precious word in season for our souls. The very assembly for prayer and praise from which we stay away may be the very gathering that would have little know how dependent would have cheered us and quickened and established and quickened our hearts. We little know how dependent our spiritual health is on, on the little regular habitual habits and, and how much we suffer if we miss our medicine, we miss our medication, we miss our time of worship. The wretched argument that many attend means of grace and are no better for them should be no argument to a Christian. It may satisfy those who are blind, blind to their own state and destitute of grace, but it should never satisfy a real servant of Christ to be absent from the assembly one another together. Such as one should remember the words of Solomon, Blessed is the person that heareth me, that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 34. And above all, one should bind around one's heart, bind around one's heart, gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst of them, Matthew 18, 20. And such a person will, will, will rarely be left like Thomas, being shut out in the cold chill of unbelief, while others are warmed and filled. And we should mark another thing in this verse, how kind, how very kind and how very merciful Christ Jesus was to this very dull and slow believers. Nowhere, perhaps, nowhere, perhaps in all of the four Gospels do we find this part of our Lord's character so beautifully illustrated as in the story that's, the story that's before our eyes. It's hard to imagine anything more tiresome and provoking than the conduct of Thomas, when even the testimony of ten, not seven or eight or nine, but ten, ten faithful brethren, had no effect on Thomas, and Thomas doggedly declared, except I see with my own eyes, and
and I touch with my own hands, I will not believe. But it's impossible. It's impossible to imagine. Imagine anything more patient, more patient and compassionate than our Lord's treatment of this weak, weak, doubtful disciple. Jesus does not reject promise. Jesus does not reject you because of your doubts or dismiss you or excommunicate you. But Jesus comes again at the end of the week, apparently for the special benefit of Thomas. The special benefit of Thomas. He dealt with Thomas according to his weakness, as he does you and I, like a gentle nurse dealing with a forward child. And what does Jesus do? He says, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. If nothing but the grossest, you and I have probably had our hands in the most grossest mess of all, cleaning up bodily fluids, hauling away the dead. If nothing but the grossest, the coarsest, most material evidence could satisfy him, ever that evidence was supplied. Surely this was a love that passes all knowledge and it was a patient that passes all understanding. A passage of scripture like this, we need not doubt, we need not doubt, was written for the, for the special comfort, special comfort of all true believers. The Holy Ghost knew well that the that dull and the slow and the stupid and the, the doubting, the doubting are by far the most commonest type of disciples in this evil fallen world. The Holy Ghost is taking care to supply an abundance of evidence that Jesus is rich in patience as well as rich in compassion. And that Jesus bears with the infirmities of all his people. And let us take care that we, we drink into our Lord's spirit and we copy our Lord's example. Let us never sit down others in the old place as gracious and godless because their faith is feeble and their love is cold. Let us remember the case of Thomas and be very pitiful and of tender mercy. Our Lord has many weak children in his family, many, many dull pupils in his school, many raw soldiers in his military, many lame sheep in his flock. Yet he bears them with, bears with them all and, and casts none away. Happy is a Christian who has learned to deal likewise with brethren. There are many in the church who, like Thomas, are dull and, and slow. But for all that, many Thomas are real and true believers. And we should mark lastly in these verses how Christ was addressed by a disciple as God, without prohibition or rebuke on his part. The noble exclamation which burst forth from the lips of Thomas, when convinced that his Lord had risen indeed, the noble explanation that his Lord had risen indeed, the noble explanation, my Lord and my God, admits of only one meaning. It, it was a very distinct testimony to our blessed Lord's divinity. It was a clear and unmistakable declaration that Thomas believed Jesus, whom he saw and touched that day, to be not only man, but God. And above all, it was a testimony which our Lord received and did not prohibit and a declaration which he did not say one word to rebuke. When Cornelius fell down and defeated Peter and would have worshipped Peter, the apostle Peter refused such honor at once. He said, stand up. I, must, I myself am a man in Acts chapter 10, 26. When the people of Lerstow uh, would have done sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas, they, they read their clothes and they ran in among the people saying, Sirs, why do you do these things? We also are men of like passion with you in Acts 14, 14. But when Thomas says to Jesus, my Lord, my God, the words do not elicit a syllable of reproof from our holy and truth-loving master. Can we doubt, can we doubt that these
Father, this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and Christians by way of television and radio and YouTube and Facebook and other means of communication, let us settle it firmly in our minds that the, the divinity of Christ is one of the, most, the grand foundation truths to Christianity. Let us be willing to go to the stake, stake rather than let it go. Unless our Lord Jesus is very God, a very God, there is an end of his mediation for us, his atonement, his advocacy, his priesthood, his whole work of redemption. These glorious doctrines are useless blasphemies unless Christ is divine. Forever let us bless God that the divinity of our Lord is taught everywhere in the scriptures and stands on evidence that can never be overthrown. And above all, let us daily repose our sinful souls on Christ without undoubting confidence as one who is perfect God as well as perfect man. He is man and therefore can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He is God, and therefore he is able to save to the uttermost all who come unto God by him. And the Christian has no cause to fear who can look to Jesus by faith and say with Thomas, My Lord, my Lord and my God, and with such a Savior we need not be afraid to begin the life of real religion. And with such a Savior we may boldly go on. And may we pray together, dear Jesus, eliminate from us all doubts, fill it with your faith and your trust. In Jesus' name, amen. As the ushers come forward this morning for the morning's offering, let us turn to our offering prayer printed in our bulletins and let us unite. Creator of all, we know and all we don't know as we bring our gifts this day. We ask you to help us trust you more. Forgive us when we entertain the thought that our future lies in the bank balances and the accumulation of stuff. Remind us, Peter, my early followers, that through Jesus we have come to trust in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are set on God. May our lives reflect that trust to others. In the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let us turn to our closing hymn. Offer him, my hope is built. The honor and glory of God and the of Jesus.
Almighty God and restoring God, we have been living through some difficult days as churches and as individuals. We experience days when we rise wondering if we will make it through one more day, whether the church will survive for another generation. And we feel like those dry bones in the valley. And as we offer our tithes and our offerings, help us to hear the word of hope, of hope the prophet shares, not just with our ears, but with our hearts. May it call us back to life and service out of the graves of despair in which we have buried ourselves. In Christ's holy name, amen. As you all know, I was at the conference in Fargo, Dakota, on Friday and Saturday. A lot of things were going on, but one particular thing really stood out to me, and I want to share that on Saturday, when we were doing praise and worship, they were talking about the rock and who, what, who is your rock. And they had, they said, when was the first time you truly heard the gospel and that person, and that very first time? When they talked about that, it touched so much that I went tears because there were three people, technically five, that had a hand in it. And if it wasn't for those five people, I would not be here right now. I would be six feet underground with a drug overdose. And those five people, one of them risked their career for me. And that is Miss Elizabeth Schulte. The next one for taking matters in her own hands, Senorita Melissa Kyles. And the next one was Carlos that took over somewhat. My mentors, Claudia and Amiel, and Erica Riley, who was with the Lord. And she is right. And when the sermon was going on, those people had a hand in what you see today. And it is an honor to be here. It was an honor to be at the Bible. I do have, um, I did record, did record some of the workshop and audio. And 